So the end of Berserk was the most evil thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, so let's let's start. Let's start. Yeah, it's really it's really fucked up, man. I'm really upset. I'm very very upset. Uh, It's one of the. It's like evil. Evil one, evil one, and evil got away with it, and it's uh, it's 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 I can't get it out of my head. Okay, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal and devastating. Do you see why I think it's better to start with episode one? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I like, I think that like without watching episode one, you're like really unaware that this is like a prologue, and I think that episode one kind of like sets that sort of narrative sense to it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, but you don't need it either. No, but I think um, it benefits from the like dramatic irony of knowing that like there is this trap door mm-hmm. that like you're going to hit. Um, and I think that that adds a lot of tension to He's like, I, I remember <laughs> watching, especially the first time I watched it being like, is this the part where things become bad? No, mm-hmm. not yet. You know? Yeah. And I think that's like a fun element of it. But it, but like I will say, it, it does make the ending even more shocking. I'll say, if you don't watch that first episode, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, well, I don't um, think even it, the first episode really prepares you for like that scale of shit. Nothing can prepare it for you. It's it's essentially a lot of people like compare it to sort of like the red wedding from Game of Thrones, and I would say it is way worse yeah. than the red wedding because it's like multiple episodes, and it's the end of the anime from the 90s and it's like uh, and it's like lovecrafty and body horror like the scale is so huge and so scary at least in game of thrones after the red wedding there are still characters alive in other parts of the world everyone that you know and love is like spoiler alert for anyone watching i think these berserk but they are just ripped to shreds yeah. but not just like in an instant it's like a multiple episode just horror fast. Yeah. Um, it's one of the bleakest things I've ever seen. Um, Gotta love Femto. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, it's just, I've just never seen anything that fucking yeah, you, evil. You don't gotta love Femto. Femto is very I, bad. I, I, well, I refuse to. Um, um, but yeah, I, I was really struck with it. And um, then I started watching the, the 2016 anime, which uh, does pretty much pick up right where, um, it left off from the 90s one and it's like immediately because evil one it's like the world is like a hundred times more brutal than before yep. it is like insane it feels like just evil on a scale i've never felt before is just flooded the earth and uh and now now i'm just like oh my god like there are so many people that need to be killed and and put down and it just it's like the show left me feeling like there's just no justice in this world. Right. Well, one thing I like about the stru- that structure is that it's like there must have been some elements of this always existing in that world. Right. Because you don't just flip a switch for this. And so I like that there's sort of this vibe that like it brought all the evil out to light. Like you got to think that like Mazgu's the like evil priest guy. Yeah. Like was a priest and probably was an evil priest beforehand. It's reasonable to say that maybe he couldn't transform into a crazy demon before, but like mm-hmm. he, that all these like bad things and bad elements and like the, the goat head pagan guys and all that stuff like existed peripherally pre Femto. Um, mm-hmm. And then after the solar eclipse, like they come to the fore, but I like this idea that like it, it sort of makes it like it's laid bare the inherent evil of like everything. And there's like yeah, a lot and, of it. And it's very bad. And, and sort of the way that all of the heroes and sort of the tragedy of the 
um, the tragedy of the bandit of the hawk is is sort of this sense that yeah, like these this this like group of bandits like was bad too in their own sense, and like we felt camaraderie with them because we we followed them through all of their struggles. But like these guys killed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people f- just for a guy because yeah. a guy had a dream, uh, and that is evil. That is bad too. I mean, guts kills a child early on in the '90s anime, and it's all just to serve this one man, this Griffith character and his dream. Yeah. Uh, and I think that like sometimes we we forgive the immorality of the characters, but the show doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that that was really fascinating. No, the show the show doesn't ever want you to think that Guts is like a good guy with a capital G for good. Like it's like he's the guy. He's very much the guy who has to do the thing that's happening. But like mm-hmm. he's not good. Um, and this is, and I, I like, th- that's what I like about the end of the, of the first season of the first anime is like, that's that, like, we talked about this a little bit last time that like, uh, immor- immortal Zod, uh, thing. It's like Griffith didn't Griffith hit a road bump on the way to his dream and then was willing to take any means to overcome that. And as soon as that happened, it was like, Oh, everyone's fucked. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's why it was like guts. You got to make sure his dream comes true. Cause if he has any problems, he's going to pull the trigger on ending the world. Um, yeah. I mean, I think his, yeah, I think his dream in, in general is just to, yeah, like this, in this idea with all sorts with what Griffith represents with all sorts of, uh, you know, fascist or just like horrible tyrants over history is that they will, they will cross and pile up thousands of bodies for their dream. Like they don't, they do not care about that. They will keep on piling up souls. Um, because there's just something empty in them without without getting to the castle. You know? Yeah, totally. And then, yeah, the 16 anime is like way more fantasy and way more bloody and crazy. Yeah, it's like when people said the show is violent, it's like they're talking about the 2016 anime. Like, and the end of season a, one. And the end of the end of, end of season And the end of season one, which is so fucked up. Uh, but but like that to me still is just like, it was like fucked up on, yeah, some, some whole other weird level. Whereas Berserk from the Gates and 2016 is just like gruesome as fuck. And now I'm just like, my God, like the this feeling that the creator has passed and that there might not be an ending to this show really hits me when it's like this show that just shows the inexplicable evil of the world and all these people that need to be stopped. And it's like, man, so we have to stop these people. No, the work never ends, Griffin. Uh, that's what it feels like. It feels like the work fucking never ends. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is. Like, especially because uh, I'll tell you, there, there's not an ending. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's not you don't have to speculate. He's dead now. Um, it's <laughs> game over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, I I mean, I love that show. I love those books. Uh, Tim and I are going to start reading the books together soon. Nice. I'll um, probably start reading them with you guys. You should do it. Uh, we already ordered them. You should get on it. Um, yeah, I got the cool. I got the Dark Horse volumes one through three omnibus thing in the mail. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say I really had a really great connection with that show, but it did put me in one of the most evil places I've experienced in, in narrative in a long time. Uh, just oof, soul crushing. Absolutely soul crushing. I feel crushed. Um, but folks, welcome to Game Boys. What's going on? I'm Griffin. And I'm Lux. And of course, we're joined by, as always, producer extraordinaire Haley. Haley. Haley.
Uh, and we got a great show for you. We yeah. got a great, great show for you. In a, in a little bit, we'll have Chelsea Pope on. And we're breaking down the Disney uh, original film, Cruella. Uh, and we have a lot of feelings and takes on that. But we just wanted to catch up here a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um... <laughs> Lex, have you seen this picture that's been going around uh, from a fan talking about how the Horizon Zero Dawn character doesn't look feminine enough? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that first. Um, and it yeah, sucks ass. <laughs> um, so they posted a picture of the here on the left is the Horizon Zero Dawn character who doesn't have who's so round, just barely looks like a female. And they're like, on the right, here's what the character could look like. And it looks like some sort of like weird like Instagram model version of the character. They like changed her from a frown to having like a crest white strip smile and it has like blush on. And it's like, you know, this is a caveman character, right? You know, this is like a post-apocalyptic caveman. There's no it's, Sephora outlet. It's and it just it's emblematic of this. Yeah, I mean, there's all of that. It's 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 anti-narrative. It's it's opposed to the thematics of the game, all that shit. And it's also emblematic of this annoying thing from annoying video game people online, which is that like they're like, where are all the hot video game ladies? Like plenty of video game ladies are designed to be hot that way. Your complaint is that they're a not all that and b the game you like isn't giving you that. And it's like don't it's this dog shit thing where they just frame it as like this is a huge problem when it's like a not a problem at all. B the thing you want is readily available all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like they need to be able to like be horny no matter what they're doing. It's like they have some sort of like uh, Jason Statham crank bomb in their heart that if they if their horniness levels drop to zero, it, it explodes their heart yeah, or something. Like, it, it's weird. Like not like like it's like they forget that like you go to porn for porn to be yeah, like you're not, you go to you go to video games for something else. You're not janking the old hog while you're playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, and if you are, I that's cool too, but not a requirement. Yeah, it's not the the people making the game shouldn't be making the game for those people. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a really it's a it's like a it goes to this weird core thing of like feeling like uh, a woman can only be like attractive if they're like slender and like have yeah. like makeup on and stuff um, where to which is like I, I thought that um, in Last of Us 2. um fuck what's her name it's not ellie it's the other abby 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 was like like the most erotic character to me because she had these like insane muscles and whatever and like she was like a very attractive character um and it's just it's just like a lot of these guys uh i don't know i mean they assume assume that hot is like a yes no switch determined by a specific set of traits that you can like score on like a scorecard Mm -hmm. um which is stupid yeah um, and I, and I just, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was pretty funny, um, because it, it did feel like, uh, it, it's, it's still like, I know there's still a lot of toxicity in the gamer industry, but it did feel like a post from like 2009 or something. Yeah. Like, like it felt like an, like an ancient take. I mean, it is, it's, it's been a take since like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it just comes up every so often. It just always sucks. It never doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I just my, my my favorite part about it was was like that they made her smile. Yeah, <laughs> that hey. like like they're like you know what you know what women they don't frown. Horizon, they smile. listen, horizon smiled I, on. But I like to tell the, all these gamers who probably haven't talked to a lot of women from someone who has talked to a lot of women. They frown at me all the time. <laughs> Constantly. Not a lot of smiles. Almost never okay. smiles. Almost never any smiles. So I just want to give you guys that it's something to look look, look for. More realistic expectations. 
you know, I, you know, if anything, if anything, you know, my, my bros, they be grinning at my homies. They're grinning at me all the time. Big smiles over there. Big in, smiles in, in from the, the fellas. From the fellas. Um, all right. Well, let's, <laughs> since we talked to Chelsea for a pretty super long time at Corilla, let's get into some of the games we're playing right now. So this episode yeah. isn't nine hours long. Um, what you want to go? You want to go first? You want to talk to me about WoW? Um, yeah. To you know, I just I just literally parked my character outside the dark portal, got everything ready, emptied out my inventory. Tomorrow, three p.m. Pacific, we enter the dark portal. It will be an incredible event and an event that I am off work for. So Whoa. I'm very very excited for that. That's um, all come together for you. <laughs> it really has all come together in this moment. Um, and yeah, just sort of just sort of running to the zone looking at the dark portal sitting down and like logging out all prepared it just it was it was a moment that sure. the day before an expansion it's it's such a here we go moment um and tomorrow will be fun it'll just be server crashes and i'll like barely be able to play it sounds great um, yeah it'll just be it's just a fun it's just a fun time but my life has started again and so I haven't been able to do as much as I wanted in the game. And maybe that's a good thing, but uh, it, it it is weird. It's like, oh, this is a perfect quarantine moment in a moment that's distinctly not the quarantine anymore. It's right. a moment where I'm having to go back to work five days a week. You know, there's there's other things happening now. Um, and so it is like it is the first video game experience where I'm like back to life with uh and all the and all the weird dissonance that happens from that for sure um that sounds pretty that is pretty it's good that you at least get the day off for the server crash i guess um but then yeah that does it's it is it is weird thinking about time allocation post pandemic stuff it is Um, it's like you you start to realize again all the all the ways <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I'm a very social person. I'm really excited to fucking see people again and go and do things and leave this room. Um, but yeah, it, it's like it's like when you get sick and then you're like, man, I regret all the times that I was healthy and didn't appreciate it. You ever feel that feeling? You're like, oh yeah. man, when I get when I when I when I when I was healthy, I just did I just didn't even care or notice. And it felt it feels like that with the quarantine. It's like I had all of this time and I and I didn't respect or value it enough. And now I'm like, now I have no time again. Now I'm perma sick again. Yeah, for real. Um, well, what I've been using up the last of my quarantine time doing uh, is I've been playing Simigami Tensei Nocturne. Let's go on the Switch. It. Okay, so a couple of things. This game fucking rules. I love it so much. It's so hard. Uh, it is at times almost indecipherably difficult. There is so much to take care of. So much grinding you got to do. So much Oof. figuring things out. So much fiddling around. So many ways to totally fuck yourself over. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> a great example is I beat a boss uh, that I've been having a hard time with. A boss who, by the way has in order to beat you either have to get very lucky or well <laughs> you have to get lucky in either one of two ways or it's like do a walkthrough i got lucky in one way where i happened to fight him at the time of day where his shadow is visible which means his like his illusions don't work on you the same way is it a groundhog or something uh, it's an evil it's an evil demon guy but like he's he replicates into four but only the real one shows a shadow so you know which one to hit wow 
Um, but that only so happens he, if the, that only happens if you're fighting him while the moon is full. You gotta um, use the power of Bill de Blasio to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so I beat that boss finally after like a million tries. And then I walked to the next town because I was like, sure, there's a save point. And there was a save point. But then the save point, before I got the save point, it was like, there's a powerful demon here. Your menorah is going crazy. Do you want to fight it? And I'm like, no, I don't. Your menorah? You've been, yeah, there's a whole thing of like collecting menorahs that, th- that you plant throughout hell. It's a different, it's weird. Um, but it's like, it's going crazy. There's a big demon. Do you want to fight it? I'm like, no. And the game was like, Looks like you can't get away. You gotta. And so then I had to fight this demon I was not prepared for, got killed, hadn't saved for being the other boss because I thought I was just walking to the next town, no problem. But camped outside the save point of the next town is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so I just lost a bunch of progress. But like, I love that shit. Um, I can see how like for a lot of people, this game would be nightmare to play. Um, mm. it's, there's not like a great quest guide. It's easy to lose track of what's going on. You can only save at save points. You constantly having to grind and like reconfigure your team and, and do stuff like that. But I love it. It's so fun. It's so challenging. The characters are also weird. The negotiation mm-hmm. with the demons is really fun. Cause in persona, it's sort of like you just talk to them when they're down in this. It's like, you can talk to them at any time. Uh, but they'll ask you for money and sometimes you have to give them the money to get them to talk to you. Or sometimes if you give them money, they're like, haha, you fucking rube. See ya. Like, <laughs> you, have to, you have to give a tier three sub in order to get them to talk to you. Sometimes. And sometimes if you give a tier three sub. They're like, all right, slop pig. Here's your garbage. I'm out of here. I'm not giving you anything. Um, and so it's like it's hot tub demon. Yeah. And so it's like frustrating, but also <laughs> that can be frustrating. But that's also really rewarding when you get it right. It's like it's like, I don't know. I, I love this shit. I think it's really yeah. fun. Um, I also super understand, uh, people not wanting to play it because of how dense it is. Um, mm-hmm. but I would, I would recommend it, especially as like a, as like just a big JRPG, like sink. if you like, if you really want to sink your teeth into like a real fiddly thinking about a JRPG that, you know, you're going to die a lot and you guys like solve a lot of puzzles. It's a, it's a good one. It's really good in that respect. So persona f- the persona games that I've played have a lot of horny elements and a lot of elements that sort of step onto sort of cultural hotspots um, or like culture or interesting culture war topics. Um, I hear that some of the Shin Megami Tensei stuff that's non persona titled is even like more adult. It's like, m- like, are they like fucking our teachers fucking students in this one? It, it's are more adult like- in the sense that it like it has a much darker tone. There's a lot more implicate. There's like some implications of dark, weird stuff, but also like a lot of the theming is sort of like literally the Jewish God exists and you have to kill him. Specifically the Jewish God. You have to kill him. Um, <laughs> like that's like part of it. Or it's like, or it's like, yeah, there's Christ and he has an army and you have to stop it, but also you have to stop the devil. Um, <laughs> And sometimes you are Christ and sometimes you're the antichrist. And so it uses, it it goes so hard on like the Judeo-Christian imagery. So is it anti-Semitic or? No, it just like, it uses like literally Yahweh, like the Yahweh, like biblical Y-H-V-H spelling uh, to describe God in like SMT one and two, I think. I don't think that's true in Nocturne. Um, But it's just like, that's the kind of world it is. And there's so much like biblical illusion. Nocturne's a little bit further away from that, but it's still, so a lot of the Shin Megami Tensei is like, the theme is basically like the apocalypse has happened or is happening. And the fight is sort of figure out like what comes out the other side. Um, 
that's sort of like the the type of story you're seeing. And so there's a lot of like everyone's house is destroyed. Everyone's very sad. All these demons are crazy and they're murdering people and it sucks. Like in in Shimigami Tensei or in Nocturne, like you are one of like three surviving humans or whatever, like five or something. And you get turned mm-hmm. into a demon too. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like that. It's, it's really difficult. It's really fun. It's really styly. Um, the remaster looks good. It's not the persona five, like cool cell shady art, but it is like this cool kind of blocky PS2 art, but like made sharper by 1080 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it rules. Uh, it's really good. People should play it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what um, I say. Well, that, that sounds really interesting. I hope that Eve Fartlow never hears about this game. Yeah, um, if she'll be mad if to kill Jewish, if someone has to kill a Jewish God. She'll be very upset by this propaganda. Um, but uh, that sounds interesting. Um, sounds And it's on the Switch, which mm-hmm. is always a good sign. Um, but, you know, I hate games that punish me in frustrating ways. Well, then, so yeah, we'll you see. probably won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let, you know, uh, Yahweh, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, I think that's probably a good place to throw to Chelsea, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to go into our Game Boys movie review style. We're putting on our, our movie caps and our and our movie popcorn. Uh, and we'll see you with Chelsea right after this. Goodbye. Uh, folks, welcome. We're here with comedian and friend of the pod chelsea pope and we're here to talk cruella let's go yeah let's fucking let's fucking go man this movie <laughs> i'm, I'm I, wow what a who knew who knew what what, yeah. what what was about to happen um you know me me and chelsea both had an experience with this film um that we are excited to share with you um uh, and then it immediately was like well this isn't like gamer related but i think it's it's a necessary to talk about regardless. So I, it's I, I in the zeitgeist, you know, it's like, it's a pop culture thing that's in the air and you know, who's to say they wouldn't make a video game out there, of this someday. I, I think know. there was a 101 Dalmatians game for the Nintendo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's connected. Mm-hmm. I captured it's, and it's tagged connected. all of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I bagged and tagged them. Uh, but yeah, so uh, then we had to force Lux to watch this as well. Um, and and uh, I guess, you know, just before we talk about big, ta- big takes before we get into the film, this movie is $30 plus Disney plus. Yeah. Yeah. Did not pay that. <laughs> yeah. None of us paid yeah. that, by the way. <laughs> Come find yeah, us. Yeah, that, that would affect my opinion of it for sure, like in a negative way if I had to have paid an additional $30, like because we were free of that charge, you know, that that gave us the opportunity to to, to judge the movie, I think, in its own merit in a in a in a fairer way, maybe, yeah. or more generous way than than had I had to shell out $30. <laughs> I think I would have been more pissed off at the end. I don't think I could have appreciated the camp of this movie if I was down and out 30 bucks. I think that that's so. pretty true. It also just feels like Disney fucking doing like mafia extortion to their audience where they're like, I dare you to go to a movie theater. I dare you to get out there with all these sick people. Or you can stay safe and have 30 or spend $30. And it's like, fuck you. You guys are billionaires. Give me the movie for free. That is 
That is exactly what it is. It mm-hmm. is one hundred percent extortion. It's like, well, you could just go to the movies, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. Oh, excuse and also, me, my throat's been a little sore, but yeah, you could make it in a, the- <laughs> a theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the exec with COVID. Go back to the theaters. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I'd say the thirty dollar thing interests me not only in that the extortion element, but the fact that like I think that the inner like movies are remembered now in the zeitgeist by their memes. And I think that this price tag severely hurt the discourse for Cruella and the meme potential for Cruella. Because, you know, like me Mm -hmm. and Chelsea have made a few tweets about it and it's like no one has seen it except for us. We are like the prophets of, of Cruella. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of people don't want to engage with it at all. They just want to they just want to rag on it because it's such a it's such an easy target without actually like engaging with the film. They can just, you know, dunk on it for being a movie about a about a puppy killer or just they can just laugh yeah, at whatever those assholes else is, who like puppies tweeting. and don't like when they get killed. <laughs> those yeah, snobby, yeah. condescending animal lovers. <laughs> Well, exactly. We need to get rid of them. This is the reason Cruella is is suffering right now. Is because PETA. can we? Yeah, it is the only option. And you're you're totally right. It was very easy to dunk on this movie. Just be like Disney does girl Joker. Um, yeah, exactly. And, that's that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, and that's like a big thing people could do. But the movie was definitely more and better than that, which is very fucking yes. cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go. Let's get. Let's go around and get some big takes, and then we'll of course go through what the the mega plot of this film. But yeah, yeah. like uh, um, I guess we'll start with our guest Chelsea. Chelsea, like, what was your attitude about these sort of live action Disney remakes or or just live action sort of Disney? things from and and before and going into this movie and then how did you feel after the film oh i mean i they've definitely not been uh very impressive overall these live action remakes i mean that's i think that's pretty safe to say that's a pretty popular opinion a lot of them are are they seem for how big their budget is which is something even while watching this movie uh is interesting to see that like yeah they have all these resources and still none of these movies transcend they're, they're abominations like, let's be real they're abominations the aladdin oh, live action sure. one the lion king oh, one beauty they're, and the beast was awful put them down it's genuinely Ugh. terrible it's a genuinely bad movie um but they but they make out like gangbusters because they're totally you know they're just milking our like little nostalgia brain you know because we want to go back to that time mm-hmm. or whatever it's it's like it's not even targeted at the youth yeah and it's targeted at Sad us. Sad millennials, yep. <laughs> um, you know, and it, and I hate seeing when it works. You know, like like that's that's not not in the sense of like oh I hate seeing that Cruella worked. I hate seeing when people are successfully shelling out this much. Like Lion King made like so much goddamn it's unwatchable. money. Like, it's unwatchable. It's an unwatchable awful. film. Yeah, but like so I think that speaks <laughs> a to the Cruella film that you went in to this film with your arms crossed the same as me yeah. right oh yeah we were ready to hate on this movie like gleefully hate on this movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then and then um, like yeah and then like sort of where did you feel like did like just big takes before we get into specifics how do you feel about Corel mm-hmm. as a film uh i mean overall I'd, I'd have to say i was pleasantly surprised you know it, it's a movie that I don't know whether maybe there's just some dissonance in the way it's been advertised. Now that I'm looking at the ads after having watched it, I'm like, oh, no, I don't feel like they necessarily like 
you know, pulled the wool over my eyes and took itself any more seriously than, than it intended to. But I think for whatever reason, it does sort of come off like it is trying to be more grounded. I think in this, like I, it, I don't, I don't know what it is where I, I got the impression of what it was going to be. You know, I think maybe also just like conflating the no, the preconceived notions I have about live action movies in general, but like actually sitting down and watching this movie, um, there comes a point, maybe like a third into the movie, I'd say, where all of the crap, like the the stupid stuff that was easy to point and laugh at, you get a little exhausted by that and it starts to shift into a, oh, this feels like intentional in a specifically enjoyable way. And and the, and and you if I felt like that that I you totally know agree. bullshit barometer yeah just started going and it's, then by the end you know we both were like hell yeah this is it's great it's almost as yeah. if like it's almost as if it's tr- the first third of it's triggering because you're like this is bullshit but then the film mm-hmm. tells you like sort of in the midpoint like no we know that like that's the point exactly. a lot of the time yes. it's we're silly and we're yes. cheeky uh and, and and yeah and that I had that similar arc Lux how do you feel about about this film so. So I had a sort of a similar thing with Chelsea, specifically that I saw the trailers and I was like, this trailers look pretty cool, but there's no way that Disney did something cool. Like, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is just a good trailer edit. And my God, and like, obviously, Disney's like trailer edit all time champions. They can, like, they can make mm-hmm. anything look good for two and a half minutes. So like, I was like, this is going to be that. And then you messaged me and you were like, Chelsea and I watched this movie. We loved it. You got to watch for the podcast. Like, Shut the fuck up. Go do it. <laughs> um, so I did. And I was going into it very much like, well, this will be fun to like goof at. And there's a moment um, like throughout. I was like, this is like a little more clever and a little smarter, and a little more well balanced than I expected this movie to be. Like, well, one mm-hmm. thing that stood out to me is like Corella felt very standable. Like she felt like a standable character. Like we we stand a black and white haired psycho queen. Totally. Um, but they cut that a little bit by having like real relatable characters be like, no, like you're kind of bad. Like it's not good the way that you are. Like it's cool within its context, but in a general sense, it's a bad person to be. And the movie never like lost sight of that. And I think that's why it worked for me in a lot of ways. Like it was big and it was goofy. And it's like this combination crime heist fashion drama. It's like, like a fucking, uh, Ocean's Eleven meets Devil Make the it's, Devil Wears Prada. It's like ten yeah. movies, and it's yeah. brave and bold in every one of them. And, yeah, and it balances them really yes. well. And the moment where I was like, "I'm totally. in on this," if we can just talk about a specific moment for a sec, Please. is the reveal that her mom got killed by Dalmatians. The <laughs> moment that happened, I was like, "I'm in." Like that is the most <laughs> insane plot point, and it makes linear it sense in too. the. It makes a linear it sense in so a way insane. that, like, no wonder Cruella DeVille is so fucking crazy evil or whatever. Her mom was killed by dog. She's crazy as shit. Um, and that moment, I was like, this movie's going to go for it. Like, whatever else happens, this movie's going to go for it. And when you, like Chelsea, like yeah. you said, like, when you go for it with infinity Disney dollars, like, cool shit is extremely possible. It's just that Disney movies rarely ever go for it like that. And so, and that, yeah. yeah. And that clip like circulated around Twitter as an example of like why the movie is going to be just miserable, but like sort of in the context of the film, they do that type of moment like every 20 minutes in a different way yeah. and it's like oh no yeah. like all of this is like intentional and not and not, not a product of mistake or accidents um yeah like for me like yeah i thought all of the movies the live action disney stuff has been all abominations i thought this was clearly <laughs> going to be 
like a yeah like stamp them out like like burn them <laughs> yeah. for, for god <laughs> out of the world it's a real book of enoch situation yeah. set it on fire um, yeah but but like and i was like okay this is clearly female joker or they're going for it or whatever um but I, I guess with this kind of film, I, I, I was struck by its just boldness, its cheekiness and like its opulence. Like to watch this movie mm-hmm. is to just see like billions of dollars just in every scene, just blown. And to hear and I mean, the music licensing rights alone oh my God. are like a billion dollars. And, and, and it's oh sort of God. this great bold thing that like knew exactly what it is. It's this beautiful sort of chaotic ball of a million movies stuff together um, and just doing it earnestly, not taking itself too seriously and just like always being fun. And like yeah. I was I was telling Chelsea while we were watching it, I was like, it's like this movie has drool hanging from its mouth, but refuses to wipe it. Like <laughs> like it's 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 like Gross. that like that's it's like it's that kind of stupid, silly energy to it. That's like infectious yeah. to the point where by the end of the film, we were like cheering. Like at the end of the film, like we were like just absolutely standing out of our seats and cheering for this film. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff that we have to talk about here. Um, God, this movie. One one thing with this movie that I loved is that I think it understood that if you're going to try and do these like what if the bad guy not so bad, actually, there's two like key important things there, which is one, like I said earlier, like they have to still be bad. Um, And two is that like. There has to be a critique of something like that, like that the real villain isn't, you know, X or Y character, but like it's X or Y system. Right. And so it's like fashion industry, art world is bad. Mix them up thing that the movie is doing fashion history. Yes. Is like way more pointing and direct than like even the Joker being vaguely like money's bad mm-hmm. <laughs> put on a joker mask or like yeah. it, it it positions her in a way that makes it easy to be like yeah she's fun because she's fighting this bad system but also she sucks and like that's where you want to be and they yeah. fucking i was so impressed they were able to hit that nice edge and, and to that Absolutely. point though like this movie also isn't afraid of uh of what i jokingly say historical revisionism oh, like, yeah. like this movie yeah. like 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 squarely decides that we're going to just do it a different way because it's more fun yeah. Yeah, like, it's and, like, yeah. like it's like it's like who cares about what this cartoon character did we're doing a different movie now and it they doesn't matter and actually it's the right choice uh so like <laughs> oh, i thought uh, that yeah. stuff was fascinating too and really bold yeah Um, even scene to scene it's like there are parts where it's like this movie's in the 60s there are other parts where like it's the 80s now and there are other parts where it's like now it's the night like why is yeah the the tone of of the setting was very like what era is this specifically like it was supposed to be the 70s but it was really there were just all different kinds of interpretations going on there um yeah like in a fun way it's a cartoon world who gives a shit it's a fake cartoon universe she invented exactly. punk in 1998. Um, yeah, so uh, like, let's let's get into this film. So this film is directed by Craig Gillespie, who did I Tanya and <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl, um, killing it. Which uh, so which which then immediately I was like, oh, like this guy like understands like there is like a cheeky. He's like a cheeky guy. He's silly. Like he can do some wink wink nudge nudge stuff. But this is like totally him. I think like um completely unleashed on like a budget that most people never get. Um, but we, we start this film 
in a way in a way that i was a little annoyed with with a fucking young yeah. estella a little child cruella who is yeah. a little bit of a troublemaker she gets in trouble at school and uh she's just kind of like an emo kind of like hot topic kind of outcast like at her school and i guess that's like unacceptable in london or whatever um yeah. it's at the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, now, please. if you're not a hot topic weirdo in London, you have to go to jail because that's all they allow in England now. It's so, so bad. Well, yeah, it's just, just funny because like I was so hung up on that hair dye job early on in the film. <laughs> yes. I was like, I could not. I was determined to hate it from that get from the get go because she's a newborn with a full head of black and white hair. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is this? Why are they? This is absurd. But like in. Once we got to that point where, like, we, I, I could really understand and appreciate the camp of the film. That's when I was like, "Oh, I should have taken that as the first sign to exactly. not yeah. take this serious." But I was so like grasping on to, "Oh, this is going to be a, an annoying little girl boss story," yes. and like, "Why is her hair like that?" <laughs> We're never going to find out. It just she was just born this way. Mm -hmm. Is like the the message of it. But like, it's. It's fun. It's fun. Once I once I was able to just let go, just I learned to stop yes. worrying and love the hair, yeah. the hair job. Yeah, you know? exactly. A hundred percent. That opening. Yeah, that opening is it's like I think a lot of this movie, if I were to go back and watch it again, knowing what it was. I'd appreciate a lot more about some of the stuff that yes. I was like, Ugh, like the kind of what you're saying, like that opening. I think it was like effective at making you give a shit about her mom and it like seeded some stuff. And I'm very curious what if you could watch the birth scene again what kind of seeds it has for like the reveal at the end of the movie and stuff right. like that um but watching it at the time i was also like i know that i, I know emma stone plays cruella Deville. like i i know this little girl is not going to be the focus of this movie like we're just mm -hmm. hanging out with this child and like yeah i i haven't seen the trailers i've seen a poster i've seen a tweet about like it just you have to know these things and so it was just sort of like it ended up i think semi-effective at the time i was just like this is like this this whole sequence has an expiration date totally that, like, Absolutely. yeah I mean, obviously Absolutely. like we want if your character starts out as a little kid you got to make that as brief as possible and i think that was like a warning sign when there was a lot of scenes or whatever like with the good little girl in the beginning but kid. but but i do agree about the black and the white haired thing just being like that's what it is because it's camp and and i and i was thinking a lot about this is kind of a tangent that I'll bring up a few times, but the the Star Wars film Solo was originally going to be written and directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did like the Lego movie and did a bunch of other stuff. And they were going to make like a super campy comedy driven origin story for Han and Chewie. And like the DNA of some of that still exists in like the final cut, but like it feels like a really like all over the place vision because of it. Like like a movie like this got to just be what it was from the beginning and like the exe Disney exec never got scared or whatever. They're like, oh no, this should be more serious or something like that. Um, and so stuff like the black hair is like exactly like just a fun, campy choice. But so she gets in trouble and and, and then, uh, you know, the, her mom has to move to a new place um, with her and she goes to beg for money from an old friend uh, where they <laughs> enter the uh, Hellman house. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. The Hellman, Hellman house. house. Hellman Hall. Hellman, Hellman Hall. Hall. And then later, spooky. Yeah. And then way <laughs> scarier. Um, 
Um, and, 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 she takes it back. And, and that's sort of like, it's a big, it's a big fashion ball. First time that this young Estella has seen like fashion in the fashion world. Um, and then um, she, uh, while her mother is um, talking to this f- rich benefactor person, she meets the Dalmatians for the first time. <laughs> and they're and these trying Dalmatians to get her ass. are hellhounds. They are monsters. Yeah, these are like the meanest Dalmatians I've ever seen in my life. Like cartoonishly, like wicked faces and mouths. It's and really just funny. Doing it's the really whole like jowl flapping and spit coming out animation in like yeah. really intense detail. I really appreciated that. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. I, like, I want to see like through the villain's perspective in all sorts of Disney movies, like all the cute creatures being like, <laughs> 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 little goblins. It's um, like uh, seeing like that. the seven dwarves and they're just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's actually, exactly. that reminds me of one of my big takeaways of this movie, which is that I really like that they made Cruella DeVille like a goblin for like the first hour of the movie. Like her whole life is Estella. She's like this little nasty goblin creature who's like crawling yeah. around, swinging on swings. Even when she grows up, she's like, they call her grubby girl or like she is like drunk Grubby-go. at the store. <laughs> she gets the like, trash. Yeah. She's just a nasty yeah. goblin, like a weird nasty goblin which is like nowhere you'd think someone would put emma stone and i think she kills it yeah but so i think it's that's a re- she she really crushed yeah. it you know i love that bit at first i was so grossed out but like she's covered in trash and then her boss is like not to get ahead but she she has that banana on her face yeah. and i was so annoyed and grossed out by it and then as soon as she just grabbed it and ate it i was like oh i know i love yeah, it yeah. it was like and this movie has so much parallel with that jim carrey grinch to me <laughs> Yeah. Like tonally, just wait and yes, camp. It starts with like child Grinch, like in the trash mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of parallels there. But yeah, yeah. So like she, um, b- before we get there, she's chased yeah. by these Dalmatians as a child. The Dalmatians are horrible and scary and rabid. And then she runs outside. The Dalmatians jump over her body and just quarterback like just like tackle (laughs) and deck the mom off the cliff in a hilarious cgi like just like it's (laughs) it's like it's almost like watching how they do it how could you not think this is funny or a comedy especially because they all kind of turn their bodies they hit her because they have to not go over the cliff with her and the cgi people like kind of animate that so it's like this really weird like they like hit her in sort of half prince of persia spin (laughs) so they can land no it's like that's so true she kind of almost like floated up like in a way like like her her getting startled by the dogs got animated into her kind of being lifted over <laughs> exactly. the, the, that's so She gets true. like, like Saiyan blasted, yeah, like off the fucking yeah. cliff. Yeah. And then they just, just like a like, turn or whatever. <laughs> and see, then exactly. this is not just the dogs part, but this whole sequence like bought me into this movie. Cause like, that's why I mentioned the goblin thing before. It's like, she's goblining up at the party, like crawling under tables. And mm-hmm. we get this cool, like little kid perspective of like all these fancy cakes and like cool dresses. And it's very like, it is opulent and it's colorful and it's colorful yeah. in a way that isn't like the classic like yeah we're not gonna crush our blacks and nothing is too high contrast and nothing is too bright or too quiet this was like colorful and like an actual spectrum which disney like is very resistant to i feel like yeah Um, and Um, it was and so as soon as that was happening and like they had this kid doing flips off a swing and dogs trying to eat her and then they kill her mom i was like all right like this movie is like putting this money to work like they have infinite money and they're doing shit with it and that's 
rare. Infi- <laughs> infinite money. They have infinite yeah. money for this film, and, and, so and, 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 it's, money. and it's, it's like if the film is going to be fun, then I I, lo- I love it when it's when. It, but sometimes, so often, like money and opulence are used to really uninteresting ends. So it's yeah. nice to see someone cash right. those checks for fun. Right. Well, so um, you watch you yeah. watch Aladdin or Lion King. It's like. I see where all this money went, like technology speaking. Mm-hmm. But as far yes. as like making the movie fun or cool, like what did you fucking do? Like you just like turned beyond, you know, you just turned like XY actor into like a hedgehog or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I forgot yes. the casting of Lion yeah. King, so I didn't want to like be wrong. Yeah, no, because Beyonce was one of them. I, I, yeah, so but not right. the hedgehog for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, not the hedgehog, yeah. but whatever. Mm-hmm. Might as well have been in my yeah. opinion. Uh, yeah, Timon, Timon was played by Solange. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, one name, one name. So it's so she's immediately orphaned. And then she's just an orphan in London where she meets Jasper and Horace, who are going to be like her two henchmen. And it's like they all meet as kids. And so, okay, super cute. Now we're finally there as an adult. Um, They're like three sort of just like thieves in their like early 20s. Like they could be going to NYU, but they're like kind of like doing thievery (laughs) instead out of like a beautiful attic apartment. Um, And uh, and and that's where. uh, Estella gets a job as a janitor at this department clothing store. Uh, she, mm-hmm. And then she does that for half a second. She clearly has never had a job before, gets absolutely <laughs> wasted um, and uh, wakes up having like quote unquote destroyed, but also like artified an exhibit with her, yeah. I guess, drunken art. <laughs> Fucking blackout make dresses. Mm -hmm. I loved, I did love the angle of what her sort of, her MO as far as fashion goes. And I love that window display. And I loved when it said fashion should be fun. Like I loved that approach of her character being like, it's art should be for the people. Like I, I, I I found that very, uh, I found that very pleasant and enjoyable, (laughs) you know? Um, it's the anti-elitism of it, like uh, anti-establishment. Yeah, most of her dresses are made out of trash. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were a few, like the one in particular mm-hmm. later in the movie, Which I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. That was great, yeah. <laughs> you know? To the degree that this movie is like doing things in that way, like, like doing like big picture, like subtext ideology stuff, like it's pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, it's not, you know, it's no like revolution. Let's like burn down rich people, but like you're oh, never sure. going to get that. It's like, still, still Disney. Yeah, exactly. It's Disney. Like for Disney, it's pretty yeah. fucking good to be like, co- like commodified, boring art is boring. It would be more cool yeah. if it wasn't that like rich people, maybe they're rude. Like for Disney, that's like pretty good. Um, yeah. And mm. I fucking, I appreciated that. I thought that it was like, it did it, have this like anti elite, like punk rock flavor to it that felt, and I mean, not yeah. it, inseparable from the fact that it's Disney, which made it kind of like, okay. But like eat within that yeah. frame, it was like fucking hell yeah, dude. Like there'll be little kids who see this and they're like pumped to go break shit. And that's good. If you ask <laughs> me. And in, in a larger sense, isn't Cruella just like the character, the film itself is about making a beautiful piece of trash. Like, like, like that is like what thematically I think yeah. the filmmaker sought to do in the same way that Cruella did as I love well. That. Um, it should be fun. Like I love that. I love that meta statement. Actually, and I would describe like, her no her, yeah. uh, her sort of clothing aesthetic as like sort of like uh, future hot topic meets jigsaw. 
uh, into like, <laughs> yeah. like it's like a lot of her stuff is like, do you want to play a game written on a wall? Yeah. Uh, but it says Cruella or it says like fashion or something. Yeah. Uh, and, and so she uh, she wakes up. She's blacked out. She's ru- she's ruined this exhibit with her art. Uh, and, and, and the police have been called to like take her to jail. And that's when Emma Thompson uh, enters the store. Now, Emma Thompson is basically just playing like a de- the devil wears. Prada Meryl Streep character. Miranda Priestly. She's uh, the Baroness. (laughs) And and I thought she was just very fun in this film the whole time. Yeah. I think like she didn't take it too seriously. I think knowing that, yeah, there's a lot of parallels between her and this this obvious sort of callback to Devil Wears Prada. And like yeah, I love I loved her tone just every time she's like, Grubby Go. Like, mm-hmm. go, draw, make me a dress. Yes. Grubby go. Here's my cough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sort of narrowness yeah, of her tone is so good. The way that she'll like ask someone to get her lunch the same way they'll ask she'll ask someone to design like an award-winning dress is the same way she'll like ask yeah. someone to like clean the floor. Like it's like all people are equally servants in all capacities to her, and she like sells yeah. that, and then she's like really mean. And if you get those two things over, like, yeah, it's fucking this rules. Like, I can't wait yeah. to see like bad things happen to you. And it's fun while you're on screen. If you could do those two things, like fucking you did a good job with your villain and your movie. It was also Absolutely. a great example of like uh, a film that purports to be uh, or or I guess what people were going were casting it as before the film came out as a girl boss film is actually an examination on why girl bosses can suck just as much as male bosses like this mm-hmm. like this female boss is awful and like the film doesn't pull any punches on that um, and I think that's actually like really good um so uh so the baroness is like what who is this girl in this exhibit it's incredible (laughs) and she hires on estella to basically it's like the the most top tier fashion hall fashion designer studio outlet estella somehow stumbled into there and now works for the baroness um there's a few fun scenes of her just trying to do devil wears prada stuff uh, and, and so it's like the film is completely shifted into like a devil wears prada format and then estella realizes that the baroness has her mother's necklace weird yeah. 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 Um again this is her mother who died who wore this like red necklace or whatever um, and she's like, why does the Baroness have it? And she's just like, oh, yeah, like one of my employees like killed herself or something like that. Is, is that yeah, what like she had said? An accident. Yeah, there was an accident. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so Estella decides I have to get that necklace back or whatever and goes to a Baroness party. Baroness having a big fashion party. And this is the first time that Estella disguises herself as Cruella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. her whole there's like a running thing from her childhood of like she has to keep Cruella in a box because Cruella is like too mean to like her mom. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she lets her out. And now it's time to get wild. Cruella's and, too based. That's right. Yeah, Cr- Cruella's <laughs> too based. Everyone else is fucking square shit. And then you throw Cruella <laughs> in the mix and it gets chaotic. And she it's fun. And the movie does that's like super fun. Make you excited for that moment. Like it actually kind of earns it like earns it, I think, a little bit. Just like mm-hmm. it gives you enough emotional investment, mm-hmm. and like you see enough of her as a kid that you're like, "What's grown up version like?" Let's see this. It's yeah. good. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. She does a good job. She steals a bunch of Katniss Everdeen moves, but I guess like that's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, she, but it's you know, 
it, it was still it was still very entertaining, yeah. like beyond <laughs> beyond what I had, had expected from the trailers too, because you see those bits and you're like, oh, this is a little ridiculous, but like now it's like, well, that's the point. Yeah. You know? it's actually a lot um, ridiculous, so watching, and that's good. It's supposed it's 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 very much so ridiculousness, and uh, yeah. you know Where's her lighting this cape on fire. <laughs> it's just. I love that, like her lighting that cape on fire, but her hair is fine, and like it just. I loved all of these random choices oh, they yes, made. It was, yes, she does the flame dress as her as her entrance, right? Yeah, it's the she mocking yeah, she dang near mocking jays uh, herself. Yeah, she mocking jays yeah, herself. Jays but honestly, way better than way better than Katniss. Let's say it. Let's say it. <laughs> oh yeah, she's like come on, Katniss Kat, basic. She, she's having fun. Kat, Katniss, Katniss stumbled sucks. so uh, Cruella could soar. It's uh, <laughs> true, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so. It, it yeah, it's just a. Uh, this it's like it feels like this is like her superpower like she's like un- unleashed on the world or whatever um and this is where the film starts to feel a little bit more like mission impossible now because there's these heists and stuff like that so she she goes after the necklace and then here's where a really big crucial plot moment happens is the baroness uses her dog whistle to sick the Dalmatians on them again. And that's when Cruella realizes back into the flashback of when her mom gets punted off the cliff that it wasn't her fault, but the Baroness who was using her dog whistle to kill her mother. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a big this is I mean, it's a big it's like groundbreaking a, reveal. It's like a it's like a, you know, a days of our lives soap opera v- yeah. reveal. It's melodramatic as fuck. And we love to see it. Yeah, we yeah we, we love I, to see it. And that's not the end of the melodrama either, which is close. even better. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I mean, what I what we all at least what I had thought was the twist about the dogs, you know, I'm so glad that wasn't the twist twist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. that was such a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. I mean, and how much yeah. farther it goes with that is so crazy. So, so, we, crazy. so now basically the movie has shifted focus again. And now we're realizing that Cruella is in sort of a revenge thing against the Baroness now. Now she has to get yeah. revenge on the Baroness for killing her mom, and Cruella <laughs> begins to do fashion terrorism, um, which is, like, one of the funnest parts of the film. Yeah, I mean, it's just totally. a montage of, like, large-scale, like, culture jammy pranks where it's like, oh, black light paint on the building says Cruella all over it. Or, mm-hmm. like, we used That's a seatbelt to trap Emma Thompson in her car and then stood on top of it with a big dress. And it's, like, yeah. a bunch of shit like that. And that it's, was fun. It's super fun. And it's, like, again, just, like, we have a million Disney dollars. We can do anything. Let's do something fucking big and so wacky good. with it. And it fucking lands. Cause it's that, that, that dumpster one. Yes. I just have to like, I just really want to make sure we specifically acknowledge just how awesome that was. I <laughs> loved that so much when she comes out of that trash and then she goes on the back of it and it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. And then she does the iconic cackle mm-hmm. and she looks like Marie Antoinette with that crazy tall, hair which is still it's supposed to be her real hair still but now it's even bigger 
Like it's oh, that was so satisfying. Yeah. Like yeah, they literally dump not have what we think is that. trash onto the fashion thing, but it turns out the trash is all one giant dress. It's uh, just one huge ass dress, and it just is a huge train. And and I think that moment for me was not only super cool, but also the final moment where I was like, not only I'm in good hands, I'm in like the right hands. And, yeah, and, and I, like yeah. from that moment on, I was like, no, I trust everything that's happening. <laughs> Absolutely. That was that was a big like 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 acknowledging acknowledging that this is an enjoyable movie moment for me too because mm-hmm. that I was still like finding ways to like my little cynical brain like undercutting roll your a eyes at the, something what, yeah yeah the stuff that like I could have just let myself enjoy earlier in the movie but it's not it's not my fault I just didn't get the tone I think for for that first I think you ever, know that think, first chunk think, of it I think this experience of this movie is it takes time to realize what it is and that will be most yeah. people's experience. Mm-hmm. And and by by the time that dumpster reveal happens, it's like, oh well, I love that. Mm-hmm. That was great. Like I even <laughs> like remembered like saying out loud, oh, that was really great. <laughs> like that was really fun. So she's fucking the Baroness you know? up a lot, and she's yeah. fucking up all these red carpets to the point where I'm like, why isn't the Baroness hiring security for any of these events? Like she does. Like, yeah, she's so funny. She's um, getting clowned. They do. Yeah, they're, they're terrible they security clowned. I think it's also a really important time to give a quick shout out to Paul Walter Hauser, uh, who is just so so magnetic as one of the henchmen. He's just yeah. he's just so simple and silly and funny and like knows exactly what movie he's in. Um, and uh, he just he brought a lot of silliness to it um, that I really, really liked. And then the the, the actor who plays Jasper, uh, I thought, brought more of a grounded tone. That was also good. But uh, love mm-hmm. the henchmen and just yeah. love the henchmen the whole time in the film. Well, I think you actually oh, also Paul, hit on. Paul is great. One of the biggest keys that I think everyone in this movie a knows what movie they're in and b knows what there's a like knows what they're bringing to the table for that movie, mm-hmm. like because yeah. Jasper does like they do need to have some not as wacky guys and Jasper is great at that and they need some wacky guys and like they need some like big fancy British people and need some real scuzz bags and like they need some real freaks yeah. and like everyone knows like everyone's like in their spot doing their exact job knowing the tone of the scene knowing the tone of the movie which is like. Which sounds like it shouldn't be that rare of a thing, but I feel like it like never happens. I think that's I think yeah. that really is a testament to the director really communicating yeah. what he's going for. Uh, that's that's a, that's a big thing. Um, yeah, because I feel like absolutely. so many movies, there's always a scene or two or character who who's like, "I'm important in a way the movie doesn't understand," or like, "This scene's funny even though we just watched a guy get shot in the throat." Like it's there's like mm-hmm. yeah so, that dissonance. Yeah, and this movie totally. felt really seamless, both the performances and the construction of it. And I was like, "Damn." Yeah, Cruella, absolutely. You, maybe just that I haven't seen new movies in a long time that aren't Kong versus Godzilla type shit. But like, this was yeah. like I fucking loved all of this once I got into it. It was like yeah. I don't know yeah. if it's deprivation or like it's probably a combination of both. But it was just like this was awesome. I mean, I just I just listen. It's like I was all three of us were really really prepared for a movie for a marginal mediocre experience. Like that's what we'd been yeah. prepped with for a long time. It's such we're a looking br- forward to dunking on. Yeah, it. exactly. Um, and. Instead, we'll be dunking on all the haters today. Um, so that's right. Basically, <laughs> she does all this fashion prank terrorism stuff. That's very, very funny. Um, 
and it's and Cruella is coming on the scene. There's newspaper headlines flying by her, and and she's basically taken over taken over London. And now the Baroness has to stop her in some way. Meanwhile, there is this also really really fun also undercurrent of like that Cruella has her still Clark Kent alter ego that's still working at the Daily yeah. Planet, but or but you know it's still working at the at the fashion industry place and hiding her secret identity and wearing her normal wig and pretending to be like nerdy and shy uh and those were a lot of fun scenes too i thought yeah yeah the the obviousness of her being Cruella is it's pretty is ridiculous. Funny to she like watch. never that wears Clark a mask or anything. Yeah. Or when she does wear a mask, it's like one eighth of her face. It's just like around <laughs> yeah, her eyes. Yeah, it's just a little masquerade <laughs> thing, and it's just that she's wearing the heavy makeup, and, but and and her hair is black and white. But like that's obviously grubby girl. Yeah, like, and it's not even like the makeup's like you know? contouring her face to a different shape. It's just like a color palette thing. Like her face, exactly. her features are all like the same. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how would you not recognize her? Which is very funny that that's the case. It, it's it's because it's uh, like Emma Thompson yeah. thinks all four people look the same. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like a little bit of um, and I didn't like the the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland movies, but I did like that take that Helena Bonham Carter does as the queen when she's seeing Alice for she's seen her before, but this time for some reason doesn't recognize her. It's like tall girl. You know, like, and kind of brings her into the fold, just all chill and willy nilly, even though she's clearly yeah. this girl who's come to fight her. I was like, oh, tall girl, come into my kingdom. Have a pig. It's like <laughs> that. Very, that it reminded me of that tonally, which was like one of the rare fun moments in that yeah, movie. Not very good. You know? Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, no, it was terrible. Justice for Helena Bonham but... Carter. Yeah. If I had a time machine, I'd have her never date Tim. Oh man! Wow, it's true. that's the that's one thing do. you do. That's, that's the, the one, one thing I do. No, I destroy yeah. the technology. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, in the in the middle of this film too is where we do a little bit of fun world building by setting up the protagonists of 101 Dalmatians. Um, we have uh, Anita, uh, who is. Uh, uh, sort of a journalist, I guess, in this one, who's like yeah, charting like a, Cru- Cruella's rise. She's like a village voice critic type person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she does this more subversive uh, subject matter. She's she's a little more she's a little more pointed in her her hot takes on on popular culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's like yeah. one of those edgy alt weekly takes her own photos, yeah. publishes it, and everyone's like, ooh, these are the real... Exactly. This is Pitchfork before they had a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and then they also set up Roger, who is uh, the Baroness's lawyer, I guess. And so it's just some kind of... These characters really don't matter at all in the film, but they're, they're, they're world-building them out. And I thought it was very uh, like interesting... And the first sign of a little bit of like Disney historical revisionism that both these characters are a fan of Cruella. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting choice that they made between between Roger and Anita. Um, and it, it does lead me to think that this is setting up for uh, a sequel, of, which will be their own revision of it, 101 yes, Dalmatians. I, I could totally agree with see that, that happening. Yeah. I don't think um, I would love it to be because my dream version of this, is that it's setting up 
the stakes so that when 101 Dalmatians star Cruella has just gone too far and isolates her only two friends and then becomes like, I need a puppy coat, like crazy person. But they would never do that. Mm-hmm. Like they would never have the character be like, I need a coat made of like they can't anymore. That's no longer a viable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they what the choice would be. I can only speculate what they would choose to do for her and this new you know, version of it. But there is a ticking uh, time bomb in in act two. And that ticking time bomb is the fact that (laughs) Cruella kidnaps the Dalmatians. She does kidnap and steal the Baroness's Dalmatians and has them sort of in her loft for like a long time. Yeah. Which is Um, weird because she just needs them to poop. Right. But, but like there is this sort of like, there is an undercurrent of, of like, is she going to kill these dogs throughout the whole film? And even other characters like ask her if she's going to do it. It's like this big yeah. question of like that. The movie kind of is like, are, are do you think we're gonna, are we right, gonna? The There's even- a fake out. There's a fake out yeah. too mm-hmm. in that, that fashion show when she has, which I'm curious too, like how, I guess they would have pulled, I mean, clearly it was faux fur, you know, it wasn't real, right. but so, there's that moment where the Baroness is like, she killed my dog. Right. So like, yeah. What we, so basically what happens is after, um, after an increasing amount of, uh, of fashion pranks, uh, there is, uh, this big, big spring collection show for the Baroness and Cruella, uh, not only uh, stages a giant concert that's like some weird like punk concert uh, outside, but she shows off a Dalmatian looking coat to piss off the Baroness and be like, look, I killed your dogs. And it's supposed to be like Cruella, like coming to full villainous power or whatever. Yeah. You're even underselling yeah. the full scale of this like absolute headshot of a fucking prank she does because she creates the dress that is like the staple dress of the big fashion show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Baroness steals it. It's like, I'm doing this now. She somehow in is able to infect this dress with moths. No, the dress is made out of moth eggs. Oh, it's made out of moth eggs. Okay. That's, I couldn't it, tell if that it, was true or it looks okay. like she made a beautiful, it looks like she got these like stones or these like bulbs or whatever Bold that she made a beautiful be- like bulb like dress out beads. of. Yes. It, it's one of the yeah. most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's it a great incredible. piece of work. All the dresses looked really incredible that they built. Um, but like it actually is a dress in, that are all eggs. And so the right. moths sprout and then eat the rest Which of the is, dresses. Is this really dress and they really also cool. are the CGI renders these moths to be like the size of bats. They're yeah. fucking oh, huge. Yeah. I literally right, be- right before the moment. vault right before the vault opened, I looked at Chelsea and I'm like, Batman. And then it just sounds oh, yeah. like <laughs> And so yeah, then these moths when fly they come out. out. And it's like, oh that was very satisfying to yeah, watch. It's like, really good. That was so fun. And then that the crowd so loses fun. their minds. Yeah, is so chased she fucks by the Baroness's day up. Yeah, they're chased by mm-hmm. dog-sized moths out into like the front of the place. And then what do they see? A fucking runway surrounded by like safety flares with people like playing guitar. Anyways, the Baroness uh, gets her day fucked up by Cruella. And we're like, damn, Cruella did it. She killed those dogs. And then we we cut away from that that victory and it's like no I, I didn't kill the dogs i wouldn't do that and i was like oh wow like this is like a this is like disney and the director and writer just being like yeah like this just wouldn't be as fun if we did it that way and who cares like what really what is holding us back from making a more fun choice than just feeling like we have a responsibility to honor the choices of the past. It felt a lot like Final Fantasy VII Remake in that way, Lux. <laughs> yeah, where for sure. it's like defy the past, chart a new course. Yeah, well, I 
I've found a recurring thing for me is that anytime a big budget like studio franchise movie takes a second to be like, it don't, we don't have to care if we're based on something. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I fucking love it. Like when The Last Jedi did that, Final Fantasy VII Remake is like that. There's this. There's even, I mean, I don't love Joker, but there's stuff in Joker that's like that. Like mm-hmm. it's anytime the the sort of or like there's stuff with Thor anytime they those movies do those things I fucking pop for that shit crazy because it's just like thank like I'm not a huge fan of all the franchise shit but it's like that's fine endless fidelity to like shit I've already seen or already read or already heard about makes me want to jump off a fucking bridge and so anytime yeah. these movies are like I'm not doing that it my heart grows three sizes and and I, and I would say with the Joker movie though I think the whole movie I still felt like yeah these events lead up to him becoming the Joker that we know yeah um, because he does like brutally murder people in his apartment like there's like there's like horrible things he does whereas Cruella makes the choice to say no this is a new character oh yeah this, no, is, this is a, a bigger character. swing for sure and like this person will not become exactly the person that you knew from the previous content and i thought that was really fascinating and uh and the, and just the right choice um so the, it works the, so so the baroness um discovers who cruella is i, I forget how actually um hmm. but she basically shows up to the apartment ties everybody up and then like burns the place down or whatever and uh because they followed they followed jasper and horace after that big old fashion oh, yeah, show that. thing and we were like <laughs> Well, like, I remember being like, why are they just like casually walking yeah. away? <laughs> They're going to get caught. And sure enough, they were being followed. And that's how that happens. Mm-hmm. It's pretty ridiculous. And this is also combined yeah. with like a scene right before where like Jasper is telling Corella that she's like just like all about herself and whatever. And things are, are, are the, the, the team is not in good spirits or whatever. So right. the, the place burns down. Everyone's kind of like scattered, doesn't know what to do. Um, and we sort of have... <laughs> We have sort of Cruella's final thesis statement at the fountain. She's like all yeah. messed up. She's like on fire. Oh, yeah. Like she's like a little to- little scorched. She looks like a mess. And she gives the monologue of a century. It's so well delivered. Like, I mean, Emma Stone eats it up. Like, it's so fun. And, the, and when it gets, the camera gets closer and she's just like really just... Just making a meal out of it. She goes to like, the fountain but, to talk to her dead mama. She, she talks to fountain yeah. mom. And she yeah, just talks to the mom one, fountain ghost so much. She talks to fountain yeah. mom ghost all the time. But this time it's serious. And it's one <laughs> shot. No edits. Starts as a wide. Slowly yeah. pushes in. Uh, and it's cheesy. It's campy. I think the line's like, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. And a little bit yeah. mad. <laughs> I'm. I was born bad, and a little bit mad. Yeah. <laughs> has so much fun with the eyebrows and like. And then she says, "I'm Cruella." <laughs> just. Yeah, she really fucking. Oh. It's. It there's. It's every layer of this fucking movie is just people being like, "What's like? What's the biggest swing I can take at this moment?" And then mm-hmm. like the director and editor being like. Yeah, we'll keep that one. Like, that's what we'll do. And every choice, like, these huge swings are so good. Like, not every movie can be that. But, like, 
some movies can. And that's cool as shit when it can happen, when like movies can be this big and broad and still feel resonant and fun. And, and also it's to the girl boss theme again too, but for some reason in a way that like doesn't annoy me, it's like, I mean, essentially like it's, but like the monologue is just like any of those tweets you see that's like, it's okay to be messy or whatever. Like, uh, but like something about it feels like earnest and and I don't know. It doesn't feel girl bossy. It does, but it does feel like spiritually freeing, or I don't know, or like committing to your own uniqueness or committing to your individual spirit. Right. Well, it's like yeah. It's like when you see those okay, it's okay to be messy posts. They're always from like it's like a picture of someone's super nice apartment where they like knocked over like a bowl of chips and like no, everything I else. Is, I mean, messy, like, you no, know, like, Oh, I'm a messy. I'm no, I'm a girl, you, I make messy choices. I understand, I'm, but I'm also speaking. I'm also speaking in the metaphor for a sec. Like, okay. It's always like the degree of messiness is very much constricted by like messy for a very on top of it and in control person, which mm-hmm. like yeah. makes the whole thing really stupid and cheap. Whereas this gorilla thing, it's like, it's not that it's like, it's okay to be, it's not even okay, but what I am is totally fucking crazy. Like yeah, it's a she's lot. She's just unhinged as hell. Yeah, it's, as, this it's like I'm watching her do this monologue, and it's like I see why you got an Oscar now. I, this yeah. Oscar wasn't for La La Land; it was for Cruella. <laughs> it was preemptive. They <laughs> That's were like, my we, belief. We can see it coming. It's on the way. I, it's it's like it just was a reaffirming moment of like Emma Stone is great because she goes all in, you know, like I yeah. give her I give her a lot of credit for that, especially in this film. You know, um, I mean, I don't I, I'm not a huge fan of everything she's made, but in this particular tr- like film uh, and, and others, too, I could probably cite she she goes for it. She has fun with it. And it, it almost kind of echoes back to like easy a like earlier Emma Stone where she. She like she enjoys being like a little little like a little messy and and crazy, you know, and that's that was a kind of a that's a tricky, campy character in that movie to pull off, too. And she manages to to play it like in a really relatable, fun way. And like we this is is that we all cheered during that monologue. It was such a such an incredible, such an incredible thesis uh, that was like, yeah, we we all agree. We all agree. You sold us. We agree. Uh, and, and so she she wants to go on this sort of like, uh, and th- then we're, we're fully into Mission Impossible mode now. She mm-hmm. literally just like just drives through a jail and like with her car and just does like fashion stuff to like break out Jasper and Horace. She uh also has this big crazy reveal that the Baroness is actually her birth mother. Yeah, uh, that was a good twist. Another, like, another just total soap opera moment. That's so fun. Yeah, like even though you kind of see that coming, like I, I mean, I definitely could see that as a possibility early on. But even still, like mm-hmm. it was a very fun. It was a very fun way to reveal that. And I love the way that they just excuse the Baron. Like, he just wasted away. Oh, my God. The line is, <laughs> and the Baron, he it. wasted away. <laughs> he wasted away. He died of sadness like fucking, pa- like fucking Padme. That's it. That's it. He lost the will to live. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, like, when when that moment happened, I was like, any other movie, that it would this thing would collapse under itself. But when it happened in this movie, I'm like, sure, yes, keep going. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm goes, with you. This goes from my great filmmaking theories, which is like, like not, I don't mean great, it's a good theory, just it's big. Um, which is that, like, 
if you can make your movie take place in a cartoon or like within like a fictionalized world that feels distinct from our world, like in terms of its like logic and rules, everything works better. Fucking yeah. every single thing. You get so much more leeway with the audience. You get so many opportunities to do stuff. And this movie just like what well, you said, most movies couldn't do this because most movies want to take place in Earth. But this movie doesn't give a shit about <laughs> Earth. This movie takes place in fucking Cruella DeVille. DeVille, DeVille Cruella DeVille. DeVille Land. Like, DeVilleville. Um, That's great. It's like, it's all just happening. And so because it's a fucking cartoon, like so many things just work that wouldn't work in a movie that was like trying to really be our world and it's like and this is and this is the solo problem again because literally they do the exact same moment in both films they Cruella DeVille she gets the last name DeVille from I guess like the car or whatever that she's driving and so yeah. like hey yeah I guess DeVille like that's your last name now and it's like played as a fun moment in solo so han solo goes up to like a customs officer at a star airport and he's like what's your last name and he's like i don't have one and he's like oh you're alone so i guess i'll call you solo and like it doesn't make it doesn't feel like a joke because the rest of the movie is very serious so it mm -hmm. just like comes off as like what the fuck that's a really dumb choice but like it th that exact same tone works completely in this film uh, totally and, and so so basically, it all this whole Baroness birth mother thing allows Cruella to tell multiple characters the line, the Baroness is my birth mother, which I just thought was <laughs> so a really good. funny line to be telling all sorts of people. The weird one to have it's is like so a light fun. motif. <laughs> also, I want to give a shout out to the the butler that has a change of heart. Yeah. Sure. Like that was really fun because he is letting so much bad stuff happen. <laughs> and like he is so wicked in this movie. And then it is like it's it's charmingly Disney camp in the right way that he's like you want to kill your own daughter? I didn't think we were going to do that. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, he suddenly has that change of heart where he wants to take care of Cruella and he's known the whole time that he was the, that she was the Baroness's daughter running wild. And yeah, we were going to punish her, but I didn't think you would kill your own daughter. So then the Baroness knew the whole time too. And it's just very, uh, it's very funny how they just like they go all in on on that choice as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. And then that, that I, I really appreciate that Cruella's ultimate scene where she flexes her greatest power, which is just getting a lot of people to go to one place. Yeah, that's like mm -hmm. the master. That's Cruella's master power is just getting folks at a spot. So and she does it again. Way more sense than the Joker ending because both of these yeah. movies had to end with everyone being Joker and everyone being Cruella. But mm -hmm. like in 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 like the in the Joker movie, it's like oh, everyone just randomly all of a sudden. It was all in Joker masks yeah. and, and there's like that. a guy with a Pier 1 Imports chair running around New York waving but, it in front of a torch. Yeah. But exactly. But like in this one, it's like, oh, like she has a big fan base now. So it makes sense. Everyone appears at this show in Cruella wigs. And it's just so yeah. visually funny. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny to look at. It's also a nice jab at like art world people because these are all people who've never met Cruella who are like just fancy folks and then they get like box like fake boxes that are like wear this in honor of Cruella and they're like oh of course I'll do that and engage in this like totally fake like giving a shit ceremony 
And I thought that was like a pretty nice dig at those types of people because it's like this is all fucking super artificial. I mean, it's artificial mm-hmm. to the point where like it's not even a real ceremony you were lied to. Um, but on top mm. of that, it's just like you're not even you don't give a shit about this lady. You're just putting on a hat because you got it in a box. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, boom, we are in the final fucking third act. And you better you bet your ass that everyone has the wig now. It started with oh, one child, so but now everyone has the wig. Uh, it's very Joker, very V for Vendetta very v. as well. Yes. Yes. Like, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so Dalmatians fun. are bulletproof, as they say in V for Vendetta. Uh, so, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we come full circle. She's done this incredible fashion prank. Everyone is Cruella. And we're back on the cliff. Baroness versus Cruella, where it all began, where her mother or I guess her surrogate mother was killed by her actual birth mother. And this is the scene where... The whole party has gathered around watching them and the Baroness says that she's going to accept her and then very clearly like a villain pushes Cruella off the cliff. Uh Uh-oh. Cruella (laughs) does a backwards spin falling through the air and then releases a parachute. Yeah. And it's that just like, fuck, boom. Yes. Yeah. You knew she had something. And so the oh, fact yeah. that it was just like a wind sail from her dress was, <laughs> it was Amazing. such a fucking epic visual. I mean, we all cheered. We all cheered yeah. once again. It oh, was a- absolutely. I'm so, I was so, so on board with that nuts choice. Like, that was- is. They did it. They absolutely did it. It was like absurdity, like series of unfortunate events style, like yeah. crazy, crazy time, fun. Like they, she literally stuck the landing at that point is how I, I yeah. saw it. it. it I was like, this movie stuck the landing. Literally did suck the landing. It was like, it was like, let's take the, tra- let's, let's like this, let's take the tragedy of the beginning of the film and make it completely opulent camp, like just absurd. Yeah. Like, and it was just like, yes, like this is it. Like it, it just, everything about that moment was just like, this is a fucking moment at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and it's great. Cause it's there's a little bit of I mean I've, I, there's a little bit of like fun dramatic irony where like she gets pushed off the cliff and then you don't see her pull the trigger right away and instead everyone's like you pushed her you're under arrest it's bad and Emma Thompson's being led off to the to the cart and then she's fully back in Cruella mode with her boys rolling up in the fucking Deville and steps out all fancy and Emma Thompson's like no and then we flash back and then we see that her whole scheme was like have Estella get killed so that Estella can inherit the can sign over the Hellman Hellman Hall to Cruella who can become a rich fancy lady and that all plays out really fast and it's like I just fucking I love that shit I love like you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop she shows up and she's like here's my big scheme like a classic heist movie shit and it's like that's mm-hmm. not like it's a classic format for a movie and not a lot of movies are doing it these days and it's crazy to see it again that's not what I expect from this movie at all and it fucking awesome I'm so happy about it yeah so, so the baroness is is defeated the baroness is like no i didn't push her everyone's like they just shut up the movie's over uh, <laughs> and, and corella comes back she inherits the whole house um there the hellman hall is shortened to hell hall that's what's up. Yeah. very cat cat woman nod right there yeah. or the uh, batman returns nod mm, yes um, sorry we're yeah, getting epic in here um and that's so great. she she now has this 
big palace. Um, and then there is a mid credit scene where uh, it's re- they're like, oh, one of those Dalmatians is getting a little fat. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go one back one last moment. In the final mm-hmm. confrontation of the Baroness, the Baroness then whistles for her Dalmatian dogs, but Cruella somehow has tamed them. And now the Dalmatians love Cruella I know, more. No, she stole the whistle. Ye- it's no, Cruella, I think. No, you know, Cruella she, steals. She, she stabs her in the, the whistle. No, she did. She stabs her in the back with the needle, then reaches into her sleeve and pops the whistle out. But but yeah, she steals the whistle. Mm, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I like that yeah. scene because I thought for a second it was like she's not going to stab her. What is this needle? I just remember having that thought of like, what is this needle for? Like this movie's faking. Like she's going to stab her in the kidney with a six inch <laughs> yeah. needle. But like I yeah, know that's not that what's about to happen. Wild, yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> But but yeah, but ultimately it's like, oh no, the Dalmatians are with Cruella now. This is a completely new character. They mentioned Mm -hmm. at the end that one of the Dalmatians is getting a little fat, aka pregnant. Um, And then in the the mid-credit sequence, both Roger and Anita respectively are given a Dalmatian at their door by Cruella. And Roger starts uh, writing a song about uh, his friend and I guess (laughs) what a uh, what a mean lady his friend is. Yeah, like he's singing song. it like in a tongue in cheek. It's like a playful, like she's evil, but yeah. like that's the that's her that's her shtick. She's mm-hmm. a, she's a mean lady. You better not cross her. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But also, that's just such a great song too. So like, I do like that it was in yeah. the movie in some capacity because Cruella Deville is like one of the best Disney songs. Like, mm-hmm. it really, in my opinion, yeah, you know? that one's really good. It's a fun one. Mm-hmm. It goes, yeah. it goes every Phil Collins Tarzan song and then the Cruella Deville song. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, that's but yeah, exactly that's that, that's it. That was Cruella, and it seems like they're going to make definitely going to make a Cruella two, and we're in a bold new universe of choices. And I think that ultimately was the thing that I was the happiest about was was feeling like in this sort of era of nostalgia and remakes and nothing original well that's not necessarily true you can be original you can like chart new paths um and tell new stories at least to a certain extent yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they, they really had fun with this one and I, i'm pleasantly surprised like and listen i'll pay a hundred dollars to see it now <laughs> Thirty dollars. That that's cheap to me now. Yeah. My yeah. my one thing I wonder at this, and it raises like a bigger sort of Marvel constellation, Marvel Disney constellation question is like, is this what it is now? Where like Marvel and Disney, or it's just Disney, Disney owns everything, just hires like extremely talented, specific sort of vi- like directors with ideas and lets them do auteur shit, and they're like, look, we also make high culture, sort of like high culture, like cinema. Like this is like their response to Scorsese is like. Like, because there's this, there's Chloe Zhao doing Eternals. There's a couple other ones coming up that all feel like, are they going to start just like not being bland and boring and being sort of well, fun and wild? Well, the Eternals very bland and boring to what? me. The, the Eternals looks really bland to me. I'll, like, I'd, wait, yeah. I'll, I'd wait to see that because that, that actually is a much better color spectrum than most Marvel things too. Crush Blacks. I, I pop for Crush Blacks in trailers. I'll be honest about that. It looked re- it mm. looked just really generic, but we'll have to we'll talk about yeah. that later. That's another thing. <laughs> yeah. But my, my yeah. point is that it's like it's weird to see yet. Disney making things that feel like they have like spirit in them, and I wonder if like that's their new brand approach. Yeah, yeah. Do you think if T.J. Miller started doing steroids, he could get in that movie? Oh my god! <laughs> the Eternals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think he could like a late, a late edition. If he could, he get Tig oh Natara into the Eternals if he got in off the of steroids? Oh my god. 
Probably. If you get enough steroids, you can do anything. That's what I've always That's said. True. On, That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's what the big sick was about. Um, anyways, uh, Chelsea, <laughs> we want to thank you so much for sharing your love, your opinion, your your passions. Oh, thanks for um, having me. Obviously, twitter.com slash Chelsea the Pope is where you can find a lot of your videos and contents. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? That's for like the main one. That's where everything ends up. And that's kind of where I, I care the most. Uh, but I am on Instagram under that same handle at Chelsea the Pope. I am on TikTok at Chelsea underscore Pope. But yeah, Twitter's the one I, I like. And if anyone can find the TikTok account that has Chelsea the Pope, let's shut them down. Let's scare it, them it off the internet. It actually is me. It is me, but I can't get logged back in. And, twi- and TikTok support, like, didn't help me with that. And I, oh my gosh. <laughs> right, I have we got to take it to the top. Beef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what to we the moon, need. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What I want is I want a blue check mark and then I can absorb my old username on there into my new account. And, you know, I'm just not powerful enough yet to do that. One but day. Yeah. One day one we'll day. take them all down. And uh, we'd love to have you yeah. back on for Cruella 2. Hell yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited for Cruella 2. Yes. Like this was. Oh, and then the credits too. like I just want to say that song was like Florence and the Machine, I think, was yeah. singing it. She's, I'm Cruella. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> so good and so, good. so fun. Uh, I like. I mean, I'm 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 both surprised and not surprised. We just did like a full hour ten on Cruella, but like, yeah, we probably could go like another forty five minutes. There's so much shit in this movie we didn't even get, get into. It's I'm so happy we, we, we completely skipped the fashion history areas. Um, but uh, all right, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.